Chapter Four of the Great White Queen by William LeCue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Four: A Strange Promise. By the light of the flambeau, the sleek, black, oily-looking natives managed their clumsy craft, which, dipping suddenly now and then, shipped great seas, compelling us to hang on for life. The sails creaked and groaned as they bent to the wind, speeding on in the darkness towards the mainland of Africa. To be transferred to such a ship, which I more than suspected was a slaver, was a complete change after the clean, well-ordered Liverpool liner, and I must confess that, had we not been in charge of Kuaga, I should have feared to trust myself among the shouting cutthroat crew of grinning blacks. Clinging to a rope I stood watching the strange scene, rendered more weird by the flickering, uncertain light of the torches falling upon the swarm of natives who manned the craft. "'Are these your mother's people?' I inquired of Omar. "'Some are. I recognize several as our slaves. The remainder are Sanwi, or natives of the coast. Our slaves, I suppose, have been sent down to be our carriers.' judging from the manner in which they call about this is i should think their first experience of the sea i said no doubt over a thousand english miles of desert and almost impenetrable bush separates the sea from our kingdom therefore few very few of our people have seen it they'll go back with some wonderful tales i suppose yes they will on their return be considered heroes of travel and their friends will hold feasts in their honour as he finished speaking, however, our cumbrous craft seemed suddenly to be lifted high out of the water, and amid the unearthly yells of the whole crew we were swept through a belt of foaming surf until in a few moments our keel slid upon the sand. I prepared to leap down upon the beach, but in a second half a dozen willing pairs of arms were ready to assist me, and I alighted in the midst of a swarm of half-clad, jabbering natives. One of them, elbowing his way towards me, asked in broken english massa have good voyage ah whereupon the others laughed heartily at hearing one of their number speak the language of the white men but kuaga approached uttering angry words and from that moment the same respect was paid to me as to omar we found there was a small village where we landed otherwise the coast was wild and desolate in an uncleanly little hut to which we were taken when our boxes were landed and the excitement had subsided we were regaled with various african delicacies which at first i did not find palatable but which omar devoured with a relish declaring that he had not enjoyed a meal so much since he had left the coast for england but i did not care for yams and the stewed monkey looked suspiciously like a cooked human specimen my geographical knowledge was not so extensive as it might have been and i was not certain whether these natives were not cannibals therefore i only made a pretense of eating and sat silently contemplating the strange scene as we all sat upon the floor and took up our food with our fingers when we had concluded the feast a native woman served omar with some palm wine which however he did not drink but poured it upon the ground as an offering to the fetish for his safe return and then we threw ourselves upon the skins stretched out for us and slept till dawn at sunrise i got up and went out the place was i discovered even more desolate than i had imagined nothing met the eye in every direction but vast plains of interminable sand with hillocks here and there also of sand 
No trees were to be seen, not even a shrub. All was arid, dry and parched up with heat. The village was merely an assemblage of a dozen miserable mud huts, and so great was the monotony of the scene that the eyes rested with positive pleasure on the dirty yellow-colored craft in which we had landed during the night. It had apparently once been whitewashed, but had gradually assumed that tawny hue that always characterizes the African wilderness. Again Omar and I were surrounded by the crowd of fierce-looking barbarians but the twenty stalwart carriers sent down from Mo, apparently considering themselves a superior race to these coast-dwellers, ordered them away from our vicinity, at the same time preparing to start for the interior. Under the direction of Kuaga, who had already abandoned his European attire, and now wore an Arab hake and white burnous, the gang of chattering men soon got their loads of food and merchandise together for the grand vizier had apparently been purchasing a quantity of guns and ammunition in england hammocks were provided for all three of us if we required them and after a good meal we at length set out turning our backs upon the sea after descending the crest of a sand-hill we found ourselves fairly in the desert as far as we could see away to the limitless horizon was sand arid patched red-brown sand without a vestige of verbiage the wind that was blowing carried grains of it, which filled one's mouth and tasted hot and gritty. Again impalpable atoms of sand were blown into the quarters of one's eyes, and, besides, this injury inflicted on the organ of vision was calculated by no means to improve one's temper. However, Omar told me that a beautiful and fruitful land lay beyond. Therefore we made light of these discomforts, and, after a march of three days, during which time we were baked by day by the merciless sun and chilled at night by the heavy dews, we at last came to the edge of the waterless wilderness and remained for some hours to rest. My first glance of the dark continent was not a rosy one. As a well-known writer has already pointed out, life with a band of native carriers might for a few days be a diverting experience if the climate were good and if there was no immediate necessity for hurry but as things were it proved a powerful exercise especially when we commenced to traverse the almost impenetrable bush by the native path so narrow that two men could not walk abreast across a great dismal swamp where high trees and rank vegetation grew in wondrous profusion we wended our way day by day amid the thick white mist that seemed to continually envelop us but it required a little more than persuasion to make our carriers travel as quickly as Kuaga liked. At early dawn, while the hush of night yet hung above the forest, our guide would rise, stretch his giant limbs, and kick up a sleeping trumpeter. Then the tall, dark forest would echo with the boom of an elephant tusk-horn, whose sound was all the more weird since it came from between human jaws with which the instrument was decorated. The crowd of blacks got up readily enough but it was merely in order to light their fires and to settle down to eat plantains. At length the horn would sound again, but produce no result. The whole company still squatted, eating and jabbering away, indifferent to every other sound. The headman would be called for by Kuaga. Why are your men not ready? Know you not that the son of the great Naya is with us? With a deprecatory smile the headman would make some excuse. He had hurt his foot, or had rheumatism, and therefore he, and consequently his men, would be compelled to rest that day. 
he would then be warned that if not ready to march in five minutes he would be carried captive into mo for the great white queen herself to deal with in five minutes he would return to kuaga saying that if the grand vizier would only give the men a little more salt with their chop food that evening they would march kuaga would then become furious soundly rating everybody and declare that the naya herself should deal with a whole lot as mutineers whereupon seeing all excuses for further halt unavailing loads would be taken up and within a few moments the whole string of half-clad natives would go laughing and singing on the forward path the first belt of forest passed we entered a vast level land covered with scrub which omar informed me was the border of the debendu territory proceeding down a wide valley we came at length to the first inhabited region every three or four miles we passed through a native village usually a single street of thirty or forty houses each house consisted as a rule of three or four small sheds facing inwards and forming a tiny courtyard the huts were on built-up platforms with hard walls of mud and roofs thatched with palm leaves while the front steps were faced with a kind of red cement in the middle of each centre of habitation we found a tree with seats around it formed of untrimmed logs on which the elders and headmen of the village would sit smoke and gravely discuss events as we left each village to plunge boldly onward through the bush we went past the village fetish ground well defined by the decaying bodies of lizards and birds a grinning human skull or two broken pots and pieces of rag fluttering in the wind all offered as propitiation to the presiding demon of the place while away in the bush behind the houses we saw the giant leaves of the plantain groves that yielded the staple food of this primitive people deeper and deeper we proceeded until we came into regular forest scenery where day after day we pushed our way through solemn shady aisles of forest giants where upper parts gleamed far above the dense undergrowth in white pillars against the grey-blue sky sometimes we strode down a picturesque sunny glade and at others struggled through deep dark crypts of massive bamboo clumps here the noisome smell of decaying vegetation nauseated us for the air in those forest depths is deadly beautiful scarlet wax flowers would gleam high among the dark green foliage of the giant cotton tree whose stem would be covered with orchids and ferns and dense wreaths of creeper while many other beautiful blossoms flourished and faded unseen in that dark dismal place there was an absence of animal life sometimes however by day we would hear the tuneful wail of the finger-glass bird or an occasional robin would chirrup while at night great frogs croaked gloomily and the sloth would shriek at our approach it was truly a toilsome dispiriting march as in single file we pushed our way forward into the interior and i confess i soon began to tire of the monotony of the terrible gloom but to all my questions omar would reply patience in africa we have violent contrasts always to-day we are toiling onward through a region of eternal night but when we have traversed the barrier that shuts out our country from the influence of yours then you shall see what you shall witness will amaze you End of chapter four recording by tom weiss tom's audiobooks dot com